Today, the guys are going to talk about the topic of social credit, something new that's uh, coming out, a sort of a phenomenon that's happening, and China is leading the way in this. If you've never heard of it, I want you to pay attention. It's going to be really interesting. So sit back, grab a coffee, and enjoy. You're listening to the All Out War Podcast. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of All Out War. We are so glad that you are listening today. We are bringing you to the intersection of faith, culture, and politics, as we always do. It's another episode, and we are so glad you're listening. I am Turner, and I'm joined in the studio, as usual, with Rosie. What's up, Rosie? Hey, what's up, man? How you doing today? Hey, I'm doing good. Hey, did you know okay. that a Jesuit priest oh, um, in the 1600s invented cowboys? I the <laughs> the modern idea of cattle management and that system uh he invented it his name is i'm going to i can't pronounce it yeah. but it's u uh, i'm sorry e u s e b i o last name kino um usbio usbio kino yeah so he introduced cattle and cattle management to southern uh, Arizona. Well, that's amazing. And so that's where we have cowboys and cowboy movies. Um, yeah. And Kino, actually his last name, here's a little fact, uh, in German is the word for movie. So oh. there's some connection there. And uh, yeah. So anyway. That's an awesome nugget. It's, there's, it's, there's your nugget for today. Never ride a cowboy and think a Jesuit. <laughs> exactly. Oh, no. Uh, and we are also joined in the studio by Cody. What's up, Cody? Hey, what's up? How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm it's good to be with you guys. It's always fun. Yeah, the it's topics just, are always amazing. Yeah, I love. I, I tell you, we're we are uh, the the pre the pre podcast conversations are some of the best that we have. I have all week. I just look so forward to when you guys come over, hang out, and we get in the studio here and and we do this. But um, man, we have a, an exciting podcast for you. I say this every week, but it's actually a really cool podcast. And we are uh, this is actually going to be a series of podcasts that we're putting together. So this will be part one. We titled we titled this series uh, uh, the Brave Brave New World, and the reason we titled it that is because uh, Stephen came up with the title actually. <laughs> well, I stole it from Aldous Huxley, but yeah, <laughs> yeah there you go. But, uh, but he's dead, so yeah. So uh, currently, there is some there's some stuff happening in our world, and it's really moving and shaking and doing some things, and uh, it I think it's going to be connected very closely to what's going to happen in the end time events as we move forward. And so um, I recommend that after you listen to this podcast, you go back and you listen to two other podcasts that we did if you haven't listened already. One would be the gaming episode podcast because it's going to tie in the gaming culture, the gamification of our culture. It's going to tie in with what we're talking about today. And then also the origins of globalism because this is all connected with uh, one world government and moving things in a direction Um, and so this is going to be not just the theory of one world government but it's actually what we're talking about today is actually one of the ways that they're going to move that that goal forward in a way that they're going to do it in a in a real way that people are going to feel it and not be able to get out of it but so uh, it's called Social credit, that's probably the the easiest way to describe it. And, and China is the leading nation right now, the leading proponent that is really experimenting and putting these things into practice because they can, because number one, they're a communist government and the government controls everything and the people must obey. You can't but, say that. 
Yeah, no, they do, and I will. And uh, but uh, they have been promoting this social credit system. It's also called Sesame Credit. If you're familiar with that app, the Sesame Credit app, it's connected to that, uh, which I have, which I will be deleting off of my phone uh, and uh, getting rid of my account completely <laughs> after this episode. But uh, it's a system where ultimate control is enacted by the use of of, of financial and social media to prohibit and restrict or give permissions to a person for buying and selling and other public interactions. And so it's uh, it's interact, it's the merging together of social media and social presence on the internet and the, uh, your finances and your financial uh, side of things. And uh, I just want to read something to you. Um, if you're a new listener, uh, cat's out of the bag right off the bat here. We're all Christians that, that do this podcast, and so we're not ashamed of that. But out of the book of Revelation, chapter 13, when you get into verse uh, uh, 16, it says, He, this is the, the Antichrist, it says, He forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead, so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. And uh, that number, of course, is 666, if you know anything about Bible or Revelation or any of that. And and the reason I read that verse is because, uh, not that I think that this social credit is going to become a mark or anything like that, I think that uh, this is going to usher in and really open the pathway and the doorway to move our culture and our world in that direction. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And, uh, and so uh, I know, Stephen, you and Cody both have a lot to say about this. And so I'm going to throw it over to Cody right away. Yeah, and, I, uh, it was a good intro, man. I mean, that, that basically puts the Christian perspective, which is really nice about this podcast. We try to give you at least some sort of eternal perspective on what we're tra- talking about. And it's very, very timely. It's it's earthly. You could say that. That's my Coke Zero, by the way. Not a, not, not sponsored yet. Not <laughs> Coke Zero, if you want to sponsor us, we would love that. Oh, okay. But you, but you have um, a, a passage that was given to us by the Lord Almighty about what the end times will culminate, culminate with. Culminate, culminate. Yeah. There you Sorry. go. Um, but it, it'll, it shows us in advance what to look for. There, these are the types of signs that you can look for in any government at any time. You know, there's a there's a trafficking of wealth of inf- and information that the government wants to control. Nobody would fault that. We want our governments to have measures and controls in place. And so from the start, like, you could possibly argue, and I think China is, that this is a positive. This is good. You're actually enabling your people to be more, in their words, pure. Well, that's that's the gist um, of that. Let's let's talk about, like, what what they're doing right now, because I think— before before people understand the philosophy behind it and what's like some of the nuts and bolts of the thinking let's talk about like how they're actually practically playing this out like so i'm a i'm an individual i live in china how would it look for me like what are the things that they're that they're forcing me into uh, so that I can buy and sell and all that how does that well, look well that's the that's that's the point of they're selling the idea that this is good this will be like we have in the United States uh, FICA scores. This is good for you. This is what every institution participates in because you're going to buy something. You're going to buy a house. You probably can't afford it, so you'll need a line of credit. So you then extend your financial report, your financial credit, into your future. You're buying actual assets. You're buying a mortgage, and that's um, 
pretty much what they're selling to the populace at large is that if you want to navigate in the world, if you want to have a functional life, if you want to see yourself succeed and your family succeed, if you want to travel, if you want to have any type of government position, if you want a good life, well, this gonna... is being sold as a place where you can develop your your future. And they've mirrored it so closely to the mindset of gaming. You mentioned the podcast as to uh, right. what you guys went back to further is that you can you can have certain achievements, a score. You can en- enable yourself to uh, be recognized by the government and all other participating entities with a positive score. You can actually engage in that. So that they're selling that right up front. They're, they're so letting they're, them know that, that you can actually have a so like an input in so the process. game. The gaming side of things is like okay. So like we talked about the gamification of the world or of a nation or whatever, of a culture. And so gaming is this way: you have you have goals and achievements, and based on those goals and achievements, you unlock um, opportunities. And so this is kind of the mindset that they're putting on the people is that if you act in a certain way, believe in a certain way, mm-hmm. and and behave in a certain way, then you will unlock freedoms for yourself or opportunities for yourself. Uh, but they only go so far because they're still working within a closed network. So when we talk about freedom, especially yeah. in China, we're not talking about, oh, so I've been so good to Mother China, now I can go worship Jesus if I want. No, that will never be an opportunity. Uh, but it, like you gave an example as we were talking earlier, like uh, say someone's buying too many diapers. or mm-hmm. So now that would be a red flag that would alert the government that, oh, this person, because all their finances are controlled through the system, they know they're spending money on diapers, so that means they must have broken the law of too many children. They've had a baby, and we don't know. And so because of their spending habits, now their social credit goes down, and so now their freedoms are reduced, and they may not be able to go rent a hotel room. Or, or purchase diapers. Or purchase Line diapers. Line item, delete, get to the register, like, sorry, sir, you're no longer eligible to purchase this item. Yeah, that's insanity. I mean, that's that's the uh, extreme version of this. That's the Orwellian, but right? <laughs> up front, I mean, if somebody came to me and told me I can change my actual social credit by doing something that was positive and good, I would find out how to rig that in a minute well i mean that's what hackers baby yeah i was gonna say ultimately the whole thing with gamification it goes even deeper than um unlocking achievements and stuff the whole idea when you listen to like the facebook guys um which is really interesting if you listen to all these facebook executives are coming out now and they're saying like oh yeah my kids don't use facebook steve jobs doesn't let his and this is kind of a a, a tangent that i'll come come back to um steve jobs does not let his kids use the ipad he was very upfront about that. Uh, all these Facebook execs are not only saying, like, I will not let my kids do it, but I'm sorry that I like I feel bad for what I created. <laughs> and what they're talking about is that the gamification. And, and it's the addiction part of it. So, like, they, they just an example. They were talking about um, Facebook's color scheme is mostly blue. Mm-hmm. And back when they rolled out like the notification thing, it was the color was blue, and they realized that people were not checking notifications. I guess to a degree more than what they had wanted to, they changed it to red, the color. So anyone that has Facebook, you know, the red notification for a message or whatever. Just changing that, like, ex- it bumps. It bumps their. Uh, everyone started clicking more, responding. Yeah, right. I got to do something with that. Right. Click. Right. right. 
So the thing yeah. is, is they're getting this like, and that creates this dopamine uh, loop, like a feedback loop, you know, that they're getting more dopamine and all this stuff. So the gamification is it, when they're getting addicted to it, you create a passive society. So what does China want if they have these people, you know, doing these things? And this is to, you know, an extreme, just to, I mean, this is just touching on the gamification aspect is if they can pacify a society and get them into this loop where it feels bad to speak out against the government, because that's ultimately what, yeah. these are all silencing tactics to make sure that people don't think about, um, so the implications, like what you said about buying diapers, right? Okay, so if you're going to get it cut off to buy diapers, you can have someone else buy diapers for you, whatever. But if all of a sudden, uh, all of a sudden you get, you know, people, <laughs> sorry, you just passed me something. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> diapers. So, yeah. yeah. So the the loop Pass of... you a diaper. Yeah. So if, if you're not able to buy diapers, you're still going to buy diapers, but, you know, you're going to find a way because you need to buy diapers. You're going to get someone else to buy it for you. But when there's more implications that come with that, when it's not just not being able to buy a specific thing, but with the blacklist, and we'll get into this more, is you're not going to be able to get people that want to go and buy you diapers. Yeah. Because they don't want to implicate themselves. Because they'll be at risk of their credit going down if they get caught, captured or get, if right. it's found out that they assisted you. And so their credit will go down. And you mentioned, Cody, earlier too, something about like, say I post something on social media and mm-hmm. it's it's negative to the government or it's it's going to be one of those things that would actually cause me to be flagged and then you're my friend so for you to protect your credit you would unfriend me and then you would move into a uh place where you're protecting yourself might even gains a point if i report you yeah or report me even worse yeah. which would be totally not cool don't report me bro <laughs> like depends on how many points it is come on now we're bros right but if you have to feed your family and it depends on this or you're providing for your kids, it's always going to be like, and they're going to always angle it to these things. I mean, I just read in Revelation chapter 13 that he's going to, it doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, you're a slave, you're free, whatever. It doesn't matter where your position is in life. It's going to be all filtered through this thing. And this is why I'm very concerned. Like personally, I'm very concerned about how this is going to roll out over the next 10, 15 years or even sooner. Yeah, this this idea, I guess, with uh, Alibaba... Alibaba, however you want to say it, and um, another company by the name of what was it Tencent, Tencent, which is a gaming industry uh, mogul um, in, um, company. They've come basically very open about what they're doing. They're using existing structures, how we finance things, how we pay for things. They're looking at behavior patterns within their own ecosystem. They're the whole um, money exchange system that they have through. Um, uh, China right now is the largest seller of goods is Alibaba, and they're, so they're basically the Chinese Amazon. The, people yeah. don't know that, and so they're they're wow. basically they're saying like we have infrastructure, we have things that could actually help um, with what you want to achieve to implement that. Yeah, okay. yeah. So I, I don't want to push up front. I mean, we're going to get there. Like the positives that they're selling to the Chinese people are that it's for your good. This is this is going to happen. This is for your good. Now, all the implications is probably where we're going to go next. Like, who determines what's good? Who determines right and wrong? And if you're a communist, you know, political government, you ultimately don't want the people to have any participation. You want them to sail along with your ideology. That's the big thing about, you know, the United States. If we're talking to our large audience 
or small audience that's that's underneath the democracy is that you have a functional right response. Yeah, like it's dissidence is patriotism. Benjamin Franklin said. Well, dissidence in China means you no longer get to function, and this is a huge measure for them to not only control but to maintain any type of dissidence because it it doesn't just say we will crush you. It now puts in social implications, and those are the people, the People's Republic, they will look at you as not being part of the greater good. And that's a huge problem when your neighbor literally wants to not only survive for their family's sake, but they'll do it at any means necessary. And if you come out of the status quo, like you were talking about, posting something online, that's huge. The government really doesn't have to do much to create that type of... um, Stability. The people will do it. Well, I was going to say that's what, you know, in countries, you know, in World War II, they were selling out their neighbors, uh, their Jewish neighbors, because they would get, there was implications for them if they hit them. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this is stuff that has happened. Um, And I was going to say it's an interesting thing. Um, When you're talking on a large scale, when you're talking about the FICO score and all these things about credit, I, I was thinking, I wanted to say, you know, none of this does matter. Um, if you listen to like Dave Ramsey or someone like this, and I'll, I'll, I'll go back. His whole thing is basically <laughs> yeah. a credit score is how good are you at bar- being in debt, yeah. right? Yeah. That's what it yeah. is. Yeah. It's how good are you at borrowing money? So to increase your, um, so like I never, I never had a credit card until I was like 25. And I just paid for cash for everything. I use a debit card and stuff like that. Um, and was, you know, you know, whatever, because I've rented and stuff like that. Um, but I never had, like, a real credit score. We would put, like, utilities in my name and stuff like that, but it wasn't, like, I didn't have a lot of credit. So when I wanted to buy, like, a nicer car, like the car I have now, I needed to get a loan. Um, I had to get credit. Um, and I didn't, it was just a lack of credit because I hadn't shown the bank or lenders that I'm good at paying them back. Um, but the whole thing about that is if you never get into the system, and you just pay, like, you know, Dave Ramsey has this thing. You know, if you want to buy a $40,000 car, you drive a $2,000 car for four years, put the the car payment that you would be paying away, you put that in the bank, and then four years later, you can go straight out and buy a car. Yeah. But the whole thing with this is you we're, we're getting to a world in China, they don't have the ability to store cash or do things their own right. way. They're literally going to be cut off because that's the thing with the totalitarian government is once they implement something like this, that's it. You can't, you can't save and the, cash. And you the, can't the, take the biggest it out. mark against them is if you speak ill against the economy, like that's the number one that they have like the hierarchy of what you can and cannot say. Yeah. You well, cannot the, say anything about the economy. The, the which Chinese, is the Chinese economy in itself is such a paper they are tiger. Having a huge crisis. Oh yeah. It's, I mean, but if you were to say that, you don't even get access. I mean, the travel bans that you read about, the individuals yeah, who were yeah. activists, they were art, they were like gay activists, they were Muslim, whatever they were, they were they were an activist. Yeah. They didn't even get a chance to develop credit. They right. were already black They silenced before they were and even put that's, in the system. That's scary because you know the government had always been watching. There's over 200 million cameras in China. That's actually not a lot when I was comparing how many souls are there. <laughs> yeah. But right, there's right. 200 million, but and they've a, been doing this listen, forever. As someone who's been to China, uh, I can tell you right now, there's still so much land that's undeveloped in China. We think of about a billion people or more that are there. They're all live. I mean, they have cities that have 
literally like like a, a small city would be 12 15 million people you know that would be a small city for them and um they're they're peppered along the coast and you get out to the middle and there's not a lot out there there's just uh, a lot of rural land, undeveloped land and people that talk about this population crisis it's insane a place well, like it's, china it's it, it's basically control crisis yeah. it's idea it actually comes back down to idea crisis ideological right. crisis yeah. rather than individual souls it fits a narrative the one china aspect is like how do you actually govern a billion people right and have an ideal ideology that is succinct in america we have t- what 370 million yeah. yeah and then you have like the disputes that we have publicly about i don't know dossiers or <laughs> how do we pay for our you know well <laughs> whatever you know we, yeah. we have these uh, right. civil discussions well but there's civil's a pretty loose term. i think it's oh, in comparison for now it's gonna get it's, crazy it's civil because you know the consequence isn't jail you know the consequence right. isn't death right you can yeah. actually say and make the most outlandish statements and actually trend on our right. twitter system well I, I tell you what though cody i just want you know i know we're kind of pulling away from our topic but i just want to say i just saw something today and, and some of you guys know uh charlie kirk uh, you know he's yeah. a conservative dude, but anyways he did he did something. He was actually talking to a protester on Capitol Hill, and she said, "I'm calling the police. You can't talk to me. You can't put your camera." And he's like, "No, I have free speech, just right. like you do." And that. she called the police, thinking that she could silence him. Now her mindset, she's been she's bought into something. This um, my point on this yeah, is yeah. that I don't think by and large our culture is as uh, up to speed as they need to be on the freedoms we possess and the way and how valuable they are. And they're so willing to set them aside for a personal agenda, uh, realizing that it's a lot harder to actually get what you want done when you people have to buy into it and they have to uh, you know, agree with your worldview and all these other things like this particular lady on Capitol Hill looked just completely foolish, you know, and, and she just walked away with, you know, her, her tail between her legs, which is funny because Charlie knew the law and he knew what he was doing and she obviously didn't but um but she invoked the actual, the uh the antithesis to our right to our structure bring the authority in you know I will silence you he will take away your Which freedom the, the the public market of ideas is the most liberating place that we have right and then she brings in the cops and they validate that silence as truth for now well I'm just saying for now that's they do. why I think we in the United States we look at this topic and be like oh that's far off but China's got a Billion people. Yeah, and I don't. They, we and, we and, fund this every time you go to Walmart, every time you right. go to Amazon. I'm not anti any of that stuff. Right. But we fund this, and they're just growing and growing and growing. And their ideal, their ideology when they came and became a nation in 1948. Uh, that's right. Yeah, the, sure. the revolution happened. It was bloody. Right around the end of the World War they II. They came yeah. into power based off of communism, like right. straight power, Marxist. Like we have. A democracy that's birthed on the idea that a generation could actually lose their freedom if we don't publicly educate why it is that we believe the way that we do, the limited government, the individual rights to assemble, freedom of religion. Second the, Amendment. The Second Amendment. <laughs> like we, we have things built in that correct these types of errors. And the free market, the way that we have it established here, is that you can have certain things come in and they maybe can generate credit for us socially. But... We're we're in a well, place where we can push back. It's 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 uh, need you know demand and supply supply right. and demand is it, it, when you talk about free market. The, somebody gets credit because there's a there's a demand for something a product and they have a they meet a need by providing. And may it may be a felt need. It may not be a legitimate need, but maybe it is. Hey, I sell a, tr- a widget and it happens to you know strike a nerve. People like it, so now I have 
credit in the sense of people want it, we have that free market to be able to do that. Even if the widget isn't patriotic or doesn't, you know, uh, and you, and you don't have a huge uh, government taking ninety percent of the right, profits. Right. You have the ability to make almost a hundred percent in some cases, yeah. or you know, up to a point where taxes if you come have the, in. The better. And then the if you better, have a niche, uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> your better accountants can make you more money. <laughs> yeah. And if you have a niche market, you own it. I right. Mean, you own it to the point where you have competitors, and then those yeah. competitors actually make you better. They make it better too. I mean, you're holding uh, an iPad here, and I've got a Chromebook. Right. So these are two competitors, and both of them have made each other stronger. But it's it's vital that we had purchased them. Yeah. Like, we're we're the driving you know consumer right. behind all this. They're not going to keep making unless we buy them. And China has looked at that, and they said, okay, great, we can make the products, we can we can uh, be prosperous, but we're having an ideological issue. How do we control the minds of these individuals? There is no chance right. that China will ever come to a point where they're underneath true revolution, where they're free people. And this is pretty eerie well, they for tried. the world. They've tried a couple of times to revolt, and the suicide rate in China is astronomical. It's really, really sad uh, to know the hopelessness that, the, that so many people in that nation have right now. Now, Stephen, you were talking earlier about, uh, in the 60s, how the Soviet, you know, Russia actually began to kind of lay a groundwork and a foundation for this in, in some ways, and they were way in way in front of uh, what we're seeing today. What was that you were sharing with us? Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the acronym is O-G-A-S. O-G. <laughs> um, for the Russian term, I, I mean, I'm not even going to attempt that, but the 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 translation of that would be the all state automated system, which is not OGAS, but OGAS is the acronym for the Russian thing. Um, but basically, yeah, I stumbled upon this and this was absolutely blew my mind. Um, so it was a, a project that began in 1962. Um, it was denied funding in 1970. So it never reached full potential or anything like that. The commies ran out of money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they did. Um, thank you, Reagan. Right. Well, this was before Reagan, but, um, but yeah, so uh, just a little history of it. It was basically a three-tier network um, with a computer center in Moscow, up to 200 mid-level centers in other cities, and up to 20,000 local terminals in economically significant locations, and they all communicate with each other, um, which is kind of interesting when you think that uh, that's a decentralized um, yeah. network, which is... Um, I'm a. <laughs> I'm just gonna go ahead and say this. Yeah. I believe in crypto. I'm totally a crypto nerd. I've been in it for years. Buzzwords decentralized. That's why right. you're, you're so, throwing it in there. But it's all yeah, exactly. Um, so it said that the structure would permit any of these terminals to communicate with the other, and it said that the proposition behind this was the this was the mechanism to allow the Soviet Union to move a, towards a moneyless economy. And use these systems and these nodes, which is what you would call it in a techno speak or whatever, you know, jargon, um, these nodes. And so they're trying to get rid of paperless currency. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, it failed. And it didn't but do that anything. was in 1969. Or 60, 62. 62. I'm sorry. It's 1962. Think about that. The technology that they were trying to push forward and what we're seeing today, how, how that works. That is amazing to me that it's so... They were so much more advanced, and this is it was really kind of uh, part and parcel to what we're seeing happen in Russia, right? And what's it? Tra- <laughs> I can't help it. I was watching a video about um, two days ago 
uh, in China, there's pictures. Or, yeah. There's there's pictures of people who have done charitable works, and they're put up like propaganda pieces saying that you know this person's name saved a cat. Oh. They're the most like minute little tiny details of society, but. This person called the, uh, the 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 ambulance when a person was having a heart attack, and they're they're plastered in these cities where these experiments are happening. And the positive feedback is that people like seeing the recognition of their good deeds out there, and so it is energizing them to do whatever is compliant with the government. And that might not have been you know a negative thing yeah. if you if you conjure that up in the minds of you know how do we control our people, but when you start to think about what is what's behavior, you know what's ideology. And is any of that objective, and is truth subjective? You know what? I was just thinking at this point that it just it goes more towards the mindset that a lot of people. You this is going to be kind of a crazy side note, but in China, you always see these videos of people running over people, yeah, and then they always back up and make sure that they're dead, and then run over <laughs> them again. I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not laughing, but that it's just the most bizarre thing ever. Yeah, because yeah, you you see all these I am laughing all the time. And so this kind of goes to what what does this society that we're talking what about breed, yeah. which is nihilism, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. And the, so the reason behind why people run over someone, then they get out. You, you can look on LiveLeak and websites yeah, like that. Yeah, it's horrible. But they do that because if someone is injured under Chinese law, if you're injured but not killed, the person who has to... Um, runs over you or whatever say run over break your leg yeah they have to pay your medical bills and like give you some living compensation compensation for yeah. the rest of their life or your life so they're fine so they literally will just take the <laughs> i guess it's worth it's murder over care <laughs> right yeah over so, responsible I mean, murder insurance so they yeah. really i mean right so that's the thing and when you you have these antagonistic people of turning each other in or not wanting to post stuff like that they literally right now they don't care about each other they care more about they care more about the money that they're going to spend or whatever than they do the lives of well, just probably people. they probably don't have the money to well, take th- care that's of that's another thing too well, that's, that's kind of what i was getting at with seeing your face up there not only places value on you but the community recognizes you're somebody and why wouldn't you want to unlock those achievements and if that gets you more food and if that gets your family into a school privately funded and if you have more access to, like, they they literally will shut you down from leaving. But the this region. is this is what's so crazy. No, you well, right now you can't move without permission, anyways, in China. So if you wanted to move to a different province of China, you have to get permission from the federal government. You have to let them know if you change your address with permission. It's not a. It's like hey, John, I, you cannot leave because you're you're actually a threat right. to. Yeah, you can't go to that province because there's too many people like you there, and it's not they ha- they're overrun by that, or they might even start relocating people out of regions to keep the regional credit, social credit higher. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or you know, or they'll have havens of places to live because of people with a certain credit rating that are good. Well, it's more docile. It's keeping the population docile. You know, like if you have a bunch of troublemakers that all live in uh, a certain place then you're going to put more police there or, you know, something like that. Yeah, and I, I think that also goes to, like, maybe the nihilist aspect. Like, mm-hmm. maybe it's an indictment on the people of China by themselves. Like, well, it's not a Christian. I mean, that's what happens yeah. when you don't have Christianity. And, like, the, how do you correct social wrongs or ills 
that have been um, essentially compounding over the generation after generation. And like as a government, you don't like the morality or maybe even the the religious position that your people are taking. And how do you correct that? Like the, if they really don't believe in what we have is that we've been created by God, like written in law, then they have to essentially do what the communist ideology um, flatly states is that the government is God, and we determine for you values, laws, and precepts. Right. And they put forth the religious law that they're looking for. You glorify the state. Well, that they become the highest, va- the highest, you know, regard for everybody is you serve and glorify, and if you don't, then you punished for that. And and this, like, and this is the weird part is that they're trying like the the punishment. Yes, you, the limiting of money, how to get access. But there's incentives for the people to self-correct right. themselves well, that's a, as a community. This is kind of a new twist on it, though, yeah. because you know when I think of communist Russia uh, back in you know the 50s, 40s, 50s, 60s, even before it, before the wall broke, you know the, before the, the wall before communism fell in the 90s, mm-hmm. um, it, you know it, I I actually knew of an individual when I was there. His dad was an artist, and he was from the Ukraine, and he was. Uh, kidnapped in the middle of the night and taken away and they never saw him again because he refused to make art that glorified the state and he he wanted to have uh, an individualist artistic artistic expression and so because of that he was warned by the by the state and then he didn't obey and then he was taken in the middle of the night and they never saw him again and so my translator was his dad was gone forever probably died in a gulag it was right. now they've taken that same stance but now they added to it this positive social like if you do good you'll be rewarded and it's public and everybody wants to basically um engage with that i would if that was the way i'd actually find like i said earlier i don't know a, man find a way to manipulate that <laughs> well, if that was the if that was the known society i'm a law breaker. i'm a lawbreaker by nature like i'm the one like laws were meant they're suggestions the rules are suggestions i would start a fire and then yeah. i'd get a bunk of water and i'd go over and i'd put it out Oh right! Like, what's <laughs> so you make your own? <laughs> what's to stop this from being so insane? Because it is based off a nihilistic premise. There is no purpose, and here yeah. I'm coming in. I'm I'm actually manipulating the whole system because it is a game, and not only that, um, just erasing people, mm-hmm. completely getting them off the uh, social credit, so that the numbers just disappear. It no longer brings your community down, uh, whether that's internet. You know, you just take them off the internet, or you literally you erase them like they don't have enough social credit to live like you've you've come to the end of your existence here in our country and so permissible by death now the worst extremes on this is actually eliminating the soul and getting rid of them i actually see that one probably coming do they still have uh, those shaman monks you could just go up and become one of those monks where they don't have any interaction with anybody other than it's tibet i think oh is it yeah that's a sore subject yeah (laughs) we don't talk about that i was gonna say this is an interesting point that Many people probably, you can disagree or argue this, but Maoism, which is this type of uh, yeah. communism, is it's it's more aggressively atheistic, I would say, and Absolutely. argue than the Russian than the USSR, um, because at least like the Soviets, when you think about that, there was, I don't know, it, it just like China's so evil. I well, mean, Karl really, Marx acqu- acquainted the, the industries. Right. He never actually gave thought to religious right. uh, apparitions of any type of form. He actually, probably to his ignorance, didn't believe that they'd be sustainable underneath his economic uh, structure. Right. That wasn't so, that wasn't true. 
So when Mao gets into this, he understands the power of religion. Mm. And he actually says that God not only is dead, but he cannot have the existence to come back. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's utterly in its ideology. It's atheistic. Communism, underneath the Russian premise, mm-hmm. it was, uh, in it, it, idea, it's, it's atheistic. But to the point, it actually didn't respect it to address it. Yeah. It just said, nope, not happening. And with uh, Maoism, like, it, it killed God. Yeah. I mean, it literally did not allow religion mm-hmm. in a fullest extent. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's an awkward... <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Uh, but, I mean, it's, uh, it, to say it truly doesn't honor and respect human life at all to the point where it's going to say you can have one child and it has to be a female. And, like, the one-child policy comes from a place that we do not believe every... Well, they do male. What did I say? Female? Yeah, you said female. Oh. They, uh, say they, they, won't, they don't want to waste it because you can't pass down the uh, the lineage. goes I, through the male. But run through that's this, right, yeah. Like, just run through a day in the life... In like 2024, you wake up one day in China, you go to book a plane ticket to wherever, mm-hmm. and you get denied. It gives you the reason and tells you why. You know you've you've done something that was against you know the the current law or statute. It shows you what it was, and it has re- mechanisms in place for you to delete that, for you to address that, for you to publicly apologize. Uh, and then you do that, and then you might have access to continue on purchasing your plane ticket or your train, whatever it would be. I mean, you you have that already in certain social media platforms right now. You post something that's not permissible by well, the platform. Man, we're seeing a clampdown on it now. But there, this but is imagine I, when your government has those keys. Right. This is the problem, though. It's like so. This is what I. This is what is concerning to me as an American citizen is I'm seeing the seedlings of this mindset being planted through some of the most uh, used, some of the most used uh, functions of our society, which is social media, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter. All of these, you know, these social media accounts are now censoring in a big way based on your political stance, based on your religious beliefs, based on your stance on sexuality, all of these things. And this is important because that is the beginning of the acceptance of, and people value getting online and having their account so much that they're willing to change their core values so that they can have access. And this is not good. Yeah. I mean, as Americans, as especially as Christians in America, and I'm going to preach here for a minute now, so I'll just, just hang on, put your seatbelt on if you're driving. Uh, as Christians in America, we got to stand for the truth in this way and not accept this in that way. This is why buy a cabin in the middle of the woods, get offline, <laughs> and, and make human relationships with people and interact in their lives. I think that's going to be the first step. No, I'm just kidding. I don't, don't, you don't have to buy a cabin or anything. Oh, maybe you do. Maybe you want to. Maybe you are. Maybe you're listening to this in a cabin some secret way. Uh, but anyways, I think that this is the seedlings of some really bad fruit that's going to be born in our brave co- new world, in man. our culture. It is a brave new world, and I'm, and I'm not excited about it. And and when I read Revelation 13, it was because that's the culmination. You can't, He's not going to, the Antichrist isn't going to be, and this is weird, I know, and, and you're, depending on your eschatology, whatever, but the point of it is is that you can't get to that verse in Revelation chapter 13, verse 16. You can't get to that point until things happen to play out in a certain way. And to me, when I look at these things, these are nodding to, and they're they're literally paving the way for 
that to happen at some point. Obviously, we believe the Bible. We believe it's all culminating to that. That that will be that those words in Revelation 13 will happen at some, at some yeah. point in history in, in the future. Speak loosely for all of us that we're probably all of us here more in the uh, historical pre tribulational millennial view with maybe some leaky faucets here and there. Yeah, that's my hope. I mean, and that's, that's my hope. That's a clear right? reading yeah. of Scripture. The end times kind of plays itself out. When you read the book of Revelation, I mean, there's probably people who push back. you got the amillennialists say there's you know, all yeah. these fun things. But when when you look at that passage, you cannot unsee certain things that have happened since World War One. Yeah. I mean, there's certain things in our history right now that are so relevant to the existence of a one-powered government. Right. I mean, prior to that, you had these great expansions. Alexander the, the Great. You had the Ottoman yeah. Empire. Yep. They achieved certain things, but they always fell short of total domination. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar in the Old Testament was probably the greatest, most powerful figure uh, in the Old Testament outside and, of, you know, maybe... Nimrod or something like and that. And even in the, like uh, the last couple of centuries, the United Kingdom, the expansion of their colonial power, the imperialism that they they placed, and they they uh, you know gl- globalized the world and trade, and um, you know they just you you can't unsee the the concept of a one world aspect that there would be a literal uh, functional government that's overseeing trade, that's overseeing uh, behaviors, religion. And when the book of Revelation was written, it not only was written by the eternal God, but it was showing us what will happen as a judgment right. that will come upon this world. And so we're not here to basically make a speculation that this is it. We're just basically right, saying yeah, that no. there's nothing new under the sun. Like, no. This stuff is going to happen. This is extremely well, it, alarming. It, it, but at the same time, like, the uh, the idea that we still have a mission, you and I, you know, all all of us to go and, and preach the gospel in in the midst of these uh, power structures literally falling down on top of us. Well, you know, as I said, we, we have a, a whole podcast on globalism, and it's literally a thread that's been going through history from the beginning that's going to culminate in, in, and it will be destroyed at some point, because if you read in Revelation, they'll destroy the whole Babylonian, uh, you know, wor- religion and all of that other stuff, but, and, and there's, that's all... You know, we can get into that. Maybe in a whole other podcast we'll do. It'll be like end times or something. But, but uh, what I want to say is, when you remove God right. from it, which is China is the chief proponent of that. They've removed God, and they have a, a, a an like you know we had uh, Kenny on as a missionary from China, um, and you can you can go check that out too if you want. And, and as another podcast, was, I feel like I'm only like propping up our own podcast this whole time. <laughs> but what for information's sake you can hear a little bit they do have a chinese state run church limited in its freedom but by and large jesus by name and worship has been removed from the people of china so they can't freely worship god and live for god and propagate that truth because that truth is counteractive to the control of the government because jesus said it perfectly and he said he who the sun sets free is free Indeed, and so a controlling government does not want its people to believe in a Jesus who sets them free. So they have to silence Jesus, and once they silence Jesus, which is the most powerful name ever in the history of the world, once they silence that name and keep that name from being spoken and worshipped and known and all of the all that comes connected to that, then they can enact control over the people. And so the thousand foot view of what we're talking about is that this is ultimately about control. And how they're going to institute that control is the things that are kind of interesting to me. 
you know, so we talked about uh, the Soviets in the 60s, they enacted this financial structure and how they would be able to control a cashless. proposed it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they were kind of laying the groundwork for that, and that was their hope. But there's actually um, Estonia. Stephen, you were talking about Estonia earlier, and you were talking, they are literally like kind of the front edge of all of this, and they're kind of like the poster child on some of these things that they would like that these Chinese government, maybe even the communist Russia that's emerging through would like to do. I don't know, you know, but but what do you know about like uh, Estonia? What was that you were telling me about? Um, I guess I was talking about, I'm not sure how it relates. Um, we were talking about how they were making a, a digital uh identity i think that they were one of the first ones that it's trying to make a like a digital id card i guess an implementation of the um usage yeah. well it's basically you they were set, you were setting up they were setting up uh, you were talking about how they were setting up a cashless society and you can actually have just a card that everything's held in information within right. the yeah. structure of this financial institution and it even goes into like their health care and other areas of that as well yeah so it's basically minimizing people having like I can't put money under my mattress anymore. And like you were talking about Dave Ramsey, where he says, "Yeah, you know, we save and we can buy and and all that." It's it's another step closer, and it's convenient. Like I'm not gonna lie. Like uh, the other day, I had my kid play. My kid, she cheers, and we go to the football game, and they charge you two bucks to get into the game. I didn't have two dollars cash on me because I don't use cash anymore. I do. I mean, I use. Uh, yeah, you do. I I use uh, I use uh, cash occasionally, but for the for the most part, I use my debit card when I go to the gas station to put gas in my car when I go to eat, or I'll use Apple Pay on my phone or Venmo or something like that. I use these convenient things, and and it basically is convenient to not have to have that cash on me um, and change. I hate things in my pocket, but uh, so there's a convenience factor to it, but there's also a side to it that it can be used in a really negative way in the future to hold people in bondage and restrict them from being able to have access to their own money that they've worked for and that they've, you know, earned. And so, I mean, that's just what I was thinking about with Estonia, you know, oh, gotcha, gotcha. you know, like and all of that technology, all of that mindset can be used good or bad, like any technology. Right? Well, I was going to say that, I guess you brought up a point and here's to put on my tinfoil hat a little bit. One of the interesting things and one of the good things about why I would still say use cash as long as we're allowed to or buy prepaid visa cards. Uh, the vanilla one is pretty good. Not just, you know, they're just a really good one. You can go spend like four bucks at a Walmart and get like a $200 one if you need to have a card. Um, one of the biggest things that we you're talking about earlier, the idea of, uh, you know, buying formula and then the algorithm, because that's what all, yeah. all of this is controlled by an algorithm. So this is the computer network, an algorithm that a human created to flag all these things. And, oh, they're doing this and they're doing this and this and this and this. We already do have that here in the West. Like uh, there's an example. I think it was in uh, Target's system based on this girl's um, thing. It basically found out that she was pregnant. Mm. and started sending her coupons for like maternity clothes or something like that because it had put it on um, just you know based on her past purchases but one of the things about like the credit cards that people don't realize now is when you look at your bank statement um, you know like I have a specific bank that I bank with and one of the cool little tools is that it'll break down 
um, you can kind of see, like, make your own little budget and say, oh, okay, where am I spending a lot of money from uh, food? Or what is my money breakdown from, which is just good to keep a budget and see where your money actually is going. Okay, I'm spending $300 a month on coffee or whatever like Mm -hmm. that, you know. But if, if, if these systems are used to break down and show you what you're buying just for fun's sake or, you know, for budgeting's sake, um, they're figuring out what you're buying as well. And they're calculating all this information. This is all going to be – so, you know, to think forward a little bit, if this ever comes to the West, they already know what you buy. They already know what, you know, your spending habits are. Couple this with your social media identity and – all these other things, all of a sudden, all this stuff starts getting integrated. I mean, and it, the government or whoever has access to all this data really can get a good picture of who you are. And I mean, so that's one reason I like to use cash so that the my bank doesn't know you don't have a path. You don't have a. You haven't left a. a they don't know bread, it, You haven't left breadcrumbs. Yeah, there's some stuff I don't want them to know that I'm buying. I mean, nothing <laughs> stupid. <laughs> what but. would that be? What would that be, Rosie? But, uh, that's Guns. The, that's the. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's your your right, and as of right now, it's, it's a right to privacy, and it's something that these um, measures kind of put a big question mark in the United States. Like, what are we, what are we willing to accept? How much do we want the government? This is the thing. The China is the government. It's not just the private company. It's the private company getting access to Chinese markets and Chinese data and Chinese, um, you know. Well, China China is the industry of the world. I mean, they have the factories. They have the workers for the low-income, you know, labor. Well, it's going to be easy is what I'm trying to say for the companies to come in and basically um, uh, capitulate and compromise. So we already know that Facebook, Microsoft, Apple have all signed away whatever rights – individuals would have in china there is no free speech they, well, they've, they've signed that away i was going to say an interesting thing that just came out uh one of the he was he used to be the president uh he took over after larry page left in like 2011 stepped down as ceo and then page came back and so he he's like president at alphabet or whatever the parent company is i love that cereal <laughs> never had it alphabet alphabet no, never mm, had it yummy eric schmidt yeah, yeah i think yeah. that's his name but he basically said um, sometime this week, that ten to fifteen years from now, there's going to be two uh, two internets, two internets yeah. and oh, one of them's yeah. going to be the Chinese model, and one of them's going to be the current model that we have, and ex- you know that you think about when you think about the internet. And he said it's going to be led in the U.S. And one of the interesting, I, th- I actually read that and I agree with his premise because of the way that we're everything that's looking at, yeah, yeah. And so I, I know like. You know, we're trying to stick within this category because, like we said, that this is going to be a series. We don't know how many, you know, podcasts are going to be in this, but um, we can dive into this a little, you know, more on another thing. But how does, so you, you think of how does this spread? Um, you know, who, if you're in Uganda and all of a sudden, or some um, country that is going to be, uh, industrialized in the future or you know thanks to technology is going to have a choice as to oh do i want the free internet or do i want you know the chinese style mm-hmm. totalitarian censored internet for my people <laughs> like what, what government you know like it, yeah. it's kind of funny to think here in america like well which one would they pick um but a lot of them um won't have a choice and one yeah. of the biggest things about that and we can talk, maybe we can do a couple, a whole series about China 
and their uh, their history and all China. this stuff and how they think. But uh, they're buying up. They they're doing like a land lease program or an, an, an industrialization mm-hmm. program where they're going yeah. into Africa and building railroad uh, railways and railway yeah um, you know highways and all this stuff. And they basically tell the country, "Hey, we're gonna you know industrialize you, bring you up to the 21st century or something." And when they can't repay because they can't repay. Uh, China's going to be, you know, like okay, landowners. Well, yeah, we that we own you. You have take our internet. billions of in- yeah. So now yeah. come into our system. Well, they'll just lay the groundwork for all the all the fiber optic and whatever else they use for to put yeah, the so internet in. They're in China, you know. Said, so and you can shrink the world by doing that, and that's exactly what. Um, and I'm not harping on this in a negative way. We can do that all day long. Imperialism was trying to shrink the world in, in a positive way. They were literally trying to create markets. Um, again social justice warriors that are listening, there are complete negatives involved in oh, yeah. imperialism. But yeah. this is a digital imperialism where they're they're literally imposing on the weaker types of um, colonies, if you want to call it that, or potential partners in uh, measures that they, they know that they can never replay. They know that they can never engage with. So that they come in and they offer them the freedom of, uh, a, um, of a future that they did not have. Right. But then they basically will, will do a Skynet move. It's like, you you have no uh, options left. This is your future. Yeah. And we are your host. And all your base belong to us at that point. <laughs> <laughs> and it is it is just not only nefarious, but at the, like, they're, they're our greatest enemy. Russia is a good enemy. But they're the, they're the greatest threat that we have because they're a global threat. People just overlook them all the time all the time and it frustrates me to death uh you guys are talking about google and you're talking about how the technology from google they're going to implement a you know a two web system or whatever you want to call it which will eventually become one web one will eat the other one but uh even microsoft that microsoft blogs uh, oh yeah yeah, yeah, i I just want to read a part of it it says in the u.s and abroad fundamental rights and services like voting health care housing and education are tethered to legal proof of identification, you can't participate if you don't have it. Yet nearly one in six people worldwide, the majority of them being women, children, and refugees, live without it. The lack of legal documentation not only strips access to critical services, but it it puts those trapped in the identity gap at risk for larger issues, including displacement and child trafficking. And so this is on uh, Microsoft Blogs. And um, they have a picture, you know, up there from Mercy uh, Corps, and it's Mercy Corps, and it's a it's a Islamic lady holding this little cute baby, and uh, they're like in a refugee tent. But the way that they're painting this is that, hey, this is going to help. You need, you know, because you don't have this national identification card, and we can't, you know, you can go anywhere in the world, and we can't know where you are. You're holding yourself back from receiving much needed services like health care and food and you're going to hurt your children because they'll be at risk of being put into child trafficking and uh, like tell me how tell me how having an identification card is going to stop my kid from getting kidnapped tell me tell me that right now how is that going to happen what you can identify the body later because you put a chip in them what's it going to be like where's the end of this come and so they're painting this as it's much needed and it's something that's going to be helpful to people and uh i just don't buy it man like don't call me you know you can call me a conspiracy theorist or whatever you want i mean yeah and i think um um, business insider wall wall street journal a lot of u.s 
based um, uh, media outlets, even like your mainstream media, CNN, Fox News, like they've reported on this and said, no, this is big brother meets big data. We Even the biggest right. voices in the United yeah. States are saying this, nope, this is not good. Right. So you're not in the minority in the United States on that right. idea yeah. that this is wrong because China's idea is that how do you control 1 billion people um, is something that we'll never have to think about. Like we don't have that. Um, that is a huge feat yeah. to try to control and to sh- sheep a whole bunch of people that way. Well, the the last paragraph of this blog that I'm reading, it's this is listen to this. It says, "Closing the identity gap is an enormous challenge. It will take work by the work of many committed people and organizations coming together across different geographies, sectors, and technologies." But it's exciting to imagine a world where safe and secure digital <laughs> identities are possible, providing everyone with an essential building block to every right and opportunity they deserve. I think we need to do a whole episode about ID. That's something. Well, the name of that organization is ID2020. Yeah, yeah. We need to. We'll do a separate issue about all that. Yeah. But my whole idea, though, is it's like every right and opportunity that they deserve. Who who determines those rights? It's a social justice issue. But who determines those rights for me? Is it God or is it some government or is it some cultural, mm-hmm. you know, uh, trend that happens to be hot and popular? Well, in the, the first sentence that you read, I mean, it That's says true. it right there. In the U.S. and abroad, fundamental rights like voting, health care, housing, and education. Didn't Bernie Sanders say health care is a right? Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of people. That's Education. Not, yeah. And all That's that. not disputed anymore, Turner. What are you talking about? Oh, it's disputed. Let me – with three things on here because um, – We've talked about this. Um, I kind of want to blend. Like, we already have social credit. Mm-hmm. We already have that. I mean, there's certain things on a personal level that you and I just, we discredit people by their looks, their outcome, of um, behaviors. Like we do that. We call it prejudice or whatever, but we already have a social... Discriminating. Ah, I didn't say discriminating, but oh, we have yeah. this mechanism of judging on a personal level. Like, I wouldn't let my kids play in the playground if there's just a bunch of men playing on the playground like that doesn't make sense to me so i have the choice of not engaging in that type of environment my whole community is uh you know run rampant with certain behaviors i have the choice of moving away from there um so we already have certain measures in place already take that to the digital world where you're involving yourself in a larger community where you're not able to actually discern who are the people behind the uh the screens monitoring the whole situation you go to a facebook page you think it's locked down it's just with the members yeah you go to twitter you follow a stream of tweets you think it's just these people monitoring it and you're engaging with it and there's you know to you no harm's being done but there's a whole set of people that are recording this there's a whole set of data that's being collected not only on that but the permissions that your applications allow to go back further into who you are yeah contacts Phone, microphone. Yeah. You have all of those measures in place where it's gathering and gathering and gathering, but you go back to the traditional way that we do credit in the United States, and it's just what you were talking about, Dave Ramsey. It's about income and your spending habits or your debt habits. And you have income tax, you have loan payments, credit card bills, utility bills, payments, uh, and even judgments against you in court. Those are things that are looked upon in our society as reasonable and acceptable means to judge somebody if they're worthy of finances, credit, home, student loans. You have another set here with um, traffic violations. Yeah. I mean, right. here's a whole other subset. Uh, family planning limitations. Yeah. 
I mean, it's funny how they call it planning. Payments to public transportation, so your taxes. Yeah. Uh, academic honesty. They actually, the Chinese government are going back into the system to verify who has cheated, who has been reprimanded, who or, did any. Or type if of, you actually got that degree, if yeah. you're not just lying on your, you know, your. Yeah, you filed penalties, criminal records, and then uh, on top of all that, the uh, the idea of jaywalking being <laughs> something that can be dinged against you. Jaywalking. This is taking a value system that is currently in place with finances and moving it to every area of life, social media, and then your interactions with people on the street. And it's putting it and forcing it through this system of determining and generating um, scores based off of what you were talking about, Stephen, the algorithms, which you probably have a lot to say about how that's probably not the safest place to put the uh, information of human beings through algorithms because you're talking about a funnel that's been created based off of ideology and permissions. Yeah, I was going to say, I got a couple of things to say here when people are talking about this uh, here in the you know West. How does this apply to us? Um, these companies just recently uh, have been caught. So Facebook right here, mm-hmm. USA Today, Facebook is judging how trustworthy you are. They're already doing this trust score thing. And basically on Facebook, and so this is always how they... The idea of liberal, uh, I'm going to say liberalism, yeah. which kind of, or which this Marxism, liberalism, that's is all this one and the same nowadays. Um, they they have this, they always have a bait and switch. And of course, with big companies, they're going to try this out or they're going to, so basically Facebook said that they have started evaluating the trustworthiness of its users by assigning them with a reputation score when they report news articles as false. So they're, Basically, in order to combat fake news, people that report news sources as fake are going to be giving a, a higher reputation if they... But what if they're wrong? Well, it doesn't, it's not right or wrong. It's That's my point, though. Well, they, no, no, they don't no, no. like it, so they report it as fake. Right. So the score is going to be based... So that's the thing. Who determines... Mm-hmm. They have. A, they say they use a third-party uh, thing to verify. Alibaba. So, right. But uh, so they're going to use Snopes or something like this that <laughs> bills themselves as credible. Snopes, right? Yeah, they yeah. actually use that. If you if some of the models yeah, yeah. that came out, you can see that at the very bottom of the story it says check this article out as a reference to the one that's being published. And it's Snopes. Yeah. You're like, wait a minute. Right. So what you were saying, Turner, about how um, you know, so basically this is if someone is flagging all CNN as fake news, they're mm-hmm. going to get a lower reputation score so that the algorithm is going to say, oh, well, this person always marks it as right. CNN as fake news because it is. But <laughs> this, um, is, this is entrenching into our culture, dude. Yeah, yeah. And to even scare you guys even more, which is why I don't uh, – but Apple came out with this. Sorry, and Turner. I don't like Apple. I do not like <laughs> Apple either. But We're Microsoft and uh, Android guys for some reason. Yeah. Not sure why. Well, yeah. But uh, anyway, so yeah, Apple, your, uh, you know, Apple that cares about all its customers. So this, is, I'm reading no, this real quick. Their, they care about their money. They care about the money, yeah. Um, but yeah, so they're using an abstract summary of your phone calls and emails as an anti-fraud measure. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. So to help identify and prevent fraud, information about how we use your de- device, including the approximate number of phone calls or emails you send and receive, will be used to compute a device trust score when you attempt a purchase. That's literally right there. Purchase. 
Um, the submissions are designed so Apple cannot learn the real values on your device. The scores are stored for a fixed time on your servers. Except here's something that's interesting. They implement this on Apple TVs. Mm. So what does that have to do with making phone calls? Why does your Apple TV? I'm just going to leave that there. But it, this thing will affect Apple TVs and all these other devices that don't necessarily do it. And it doesn't stop there. While you were talking, I just thought of another one that this happens in, in, in Uber. When I get an, when I take an Uber... You should never use Uber, well, by the way. <laughs> well, whatever. Uber, Lyft, whichever ones they have. I mean, I've never done any of them, so I don't know. But oh. but uh, but when you take Uber, yeah. you are given a... You, you grade the driver, and the driver grades you. And so you have a social <laughs> credit so that when you want to hail an Uber and you open up the app and start and try and use it, if you have a low credit rating on there or you have a bad you know enough dings against your personality or whatever that the, they didn't like you they, they won't even pick you up they won't respond to it and uh and so we're seeing it in every area and it, you know honestly though when you think about it this like in a practical way this if you were a businessman back in the 50s and there was a guy that always would come in and always cause a problem you it word would get around town right oh that don't let that guy into your don't let that guy into your restaurant he'll get drunk or don't let that guy yeah. into your hardware store because he'll steal or he he writes bad checks or whatever and i can remember being a kid they'd have the check of the person up on the back by the register of the person that bounced the check and right. didn't pay and they're like you know we cannot accept bad checks and was it the local government that did that or no it was the individual of the exactly. of the actual store right the store that that's did what that. i was referencing before where yeah. we have these measures right. in place yeah they're in place social shaming has never been something that's been a totally negative it's actually a positive it's if it's to the good of the community like you post the you know the, the local crime statistics up somewhere or you know the picture of the pedophile that just moved in yeah and we actually we, or the those post are, office you go down and there's the most exact, wanted yep, yeah they have the fbi yep so we have those but look throw the weird thing on there that the federal government you know or whatever it is the communist government puts up the picture of whomever it was that said a statement right. that was not positive in light of what the government says is right. true. That's the decision they made or and something. And they yeah. socially blast you. It reminds me of 1984, the movie make, I where know. they put the pictures up of the people mm. who were basically apostatizing and all they were doing was dreaming. Yeah. <laughs> right. And this is crazy. Here's the other thing. It's like a mashup between 1984, uh, Minority Report, and Terminator. Yeah. It's really like a mashup of those crazy... The Terminator one, why he said Skynet a few times throughout this is because it's because when Terminator was looking at the people, he was analyzing them, and he yeah. was pulling back up their credit through his eye. Yeah, <laughs> and he registered who they were, right. their the name, model, their yeah. address, and like. Yeah. And yeah, you brought that up earlier. Now that you're talking about that, that uh, Chinese police are already using smart glasses to identify potential suspects. We figured out what they were for. Right. Yeah. Like, who wants to wear smart glasses? Right. China's like. Uh, we do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The police, and we have already had body cameras on on all of our police too. So it's the but next this step. records the act. Like you have yeah. a, we have devices that record our facial recognition. We have things where we put our fingerprint the, on the, to the enter new, in our own devices. No, the new Apple, you just look at the phone and it opens up. It <laughs> yeah, they don't have any other. They took away everything else. There's no buttons. All right, that you have that. It it validates you in the court of whomever that that literally was you that did that discriminating thing. Well. 
you know, or it you know it validates that you're the one. You can't say no. It. That was somebody else. That's it. All right, I'm buying one of those machines that they have on Mission Impossible where they always put the uh, crazy face on and they. Eat, <laughs> oh, right, right. <laughs> that machine what, that makes it. We need one of those. Or face off, like then uh, you'll, yeah, you'll never have access to your phone. I'll yeah. just I'll just make that as one of the actual faces. Well, yeah, but see, this is what's so funny is like when I I poke fun at Apple because everyone, not everyone, but. The Apple's the cool, hip, like, company that you're going to pay, you know, $1,000 more for a computer that that's less than a normal computer. I'm just going to go ahead and throw that out. No one should be, ever buy a MacBook Pro for... <laughs> just doing it. There's so much money in the device. But anyways... $200. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to throw in my jabs. The thing about this is no one is going to read that and actually care about that, about their security that Apple has it. Yeah. Um, but you care about... The NSA collecting metadata. What do you think all this information about how many emails you send or receive? That's metadata. Exactly. So instead of giving it to a government that has to figure out laws and is genuine. I'm going to go on a little rant. If you're scared about the government, everyone always says, I got nothing to hide, you know, whatever. And then people say, well, yeah, but, you know, what if, what if? The government has laws. There's a lot of things that... confine the scope of these things you know of reading the emails or the metadata or whatever the emails the metadata and whenever (laughs) like yeah regardless of what you think of edward snowden who's a traitor traitor he's a traitor and there's nothing you know he should be in prison for the rest of his life but regardless when people say all this stuff they're like you know edward's like no they're doing it to normal people or you know all this stuff you know no one's safe no they're not all right, the NSA doesn't care about what kind of porn you look at. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. They don't. <laughs> they don't now, right now. Right. That may, but you know. That might change. I mean, they're collecting all this stuff. They don't even care. I mean, the N- the NSA, the government organizations in the intelligence community that do this stuff, solely do, they do this so that they can stop terrorist attacks. Well, I mean. National to threats, a less yeah. extent, yeah. yeah. Trying to I mean, head them off, yeah. Right now, they care more about nuclear weapons. And I, mean, I would too. No one, I mean, terrorism's kind of passe. I'm just going to say, because, you, know, you know, but they, they want to <laughs> make sure that terrorists don't have nukes, but that's the, the main thing is the nuclear weapons right now. That's a side note. But really, like, the government doesn't care. They're not going to do anything. They're not going to make anything. But I don't want Apple and a bunch of guys that don't have to follow any laws when you're freely giving them all your right. data. I worry more about you're that. You're not freely giving it to them. You're paying them. You're paying them. For them to have you're access. You're paying a premium. Right. <laughs> Way more than well, you would pay to give it to San Bernardino? <laughs> yeah. um, shooter came in. The Apple made this big um, stink about how they weren't going to cooperate with the FBI yeah, to yeah, do yeah. the backdoor encryption. It's like, you know, the side of freedom, you're like, yeah, Apple, sticking up for freedom. But, you know. They went to China and they sold everything. They basically gave them the backdoor key to the they, internet. No, they went to Israel. It was an Israeli well, company. Well, they, they made it to China as well oh. just recently, right, right, right before yeah. Alex Jones was burned. Right, um, that's right. Yeah, he, they went and they made these. So is Microsoft, Google. They signed all these um, all agreements together. for yeah. free speech. You can go Google all this. It's not conspiracy. Okay. They basically in the United States complied with our not only ethics but the current law. And they made a decision business-wise that the United States would be a place where you would fortify the idea that security is a primary and a respectable um, selling point. And that's one of the biggest things that they've done in the United States to say that we're secure, you cannot, you know, act, you know, ha- um, 
uh, adware and your security inside your 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 devices are 100 percent taken care of you don't have to worry about that you don't hear of huge leaks at all right in yeah. apple at all yeah. but in china they they basically sat down and said we want this market we want to get into this market put a key. And china said we want into your market too and they they gave it up well no so you, the idea behind all this because is like, china lied and told them there'd be billions of dollars that no 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 you know that why sure china does this Whenever a business wants to do that, you know where we talk about corporate espionage, which happens all the time oh, yeah. by the Chinese. Yeah. But when a company wants to go there, because let's face it, China is a communist. Their their economy is a sham. I mean, it's t- crazy manipulated and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. But if Go- when Google wants to go there, in order to operate, and you can do research on this. I'm not making this up. They literally have to give them proprietary information in Absolutely. order to even work in a company. I think the, the minimal or amount is, is 40%. That, I, think I don't min- know any the numbers, minimal, but... I think it is. Well, he's talking about just get, you can't yeah. come in. That's what I'm right. saying. In the United States, they respected us because they knew that we would revolt or not buy their products right. if yeah. they were like, ah, oh, yeah, we'll give you the backdoor key. Like, even in the United, there was a huge debate well, people, about yeah. whether or not uh, a terrorist has rights after they're dead to their property. No, they don't. And, you know, there's a huge debate. I mean, I... I'm, it's not just the terrorist, not just the individual, but the individual's property, and how the government can come in and open that, seize it, yeah, and you know, for the greater good, quote unquote. But in China, like you're saying, did you get into the market? They basically were told open the hood, and they were like, they pandered for a couple of uh, you know years there, trying to say it was intellectual properties they were trying to resist because yeah. they wanted to get in you know, to back into but the, the market. But the money drove them. I'm telling you, the money, the potential for money drove them to compromise. And they're like, hey, if we get China, we get the rest of the world. Pretty much. So let's just give it up. And China is like, if we get Apple, we get a piece of the world. Right. Well, here's one of the most interesting things. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll talk about this later. But one of the things that China wants to do, they always had this 100-year, because uh, there's such an old, like we think of the United States, and you're like, yeah, we've been around here for quite a while, or Europe, or, you know, like, whoa, it's crazy that there's 500-year-old castles that's older than the country. You think about China, there's thousands of years, right? Yeah. These guys are old, and they're they they're they built able, a wall. They're able to have these views of hundred years, and they're very very patient. Although now they're able to be less patient. I mean, they're able. Why do we have to wait eighty years for this plan that we can do? We we can do it in twenty. So they've been ramping up a lot, and and some of the things that they're doing. Um, they banned hip hop. They did. I mean, you can't have hip hop. I mean, when you get when well, you get to the uh, the end of like your as a government as like how you function and how what your purpose is when you when you ban hip hop, you're done. Well, here's one of the reasons, in my opinion, like you're just you don't know what you're doing. You're drunk. Well, here's why. Here, I'll, I'll tell you. This might make sense as to why they do some of these cultural things. So, not only does China want to be an economic power, they want to be the superpower that they see the U.S. as because we are right now. For now. Yeah. China, and how do you win, and this is all going back into the hearts and minds, what does China want more than just being an economic global power? They want to be a societal global power. What they really want. Culture. Is they want people in Turkmenistan to wait outside for the latest I'd agree with Chinese, that. No, this is what they this is what they want. They say I've never purchased anything that's like made in China and I'm like, I'm celebrating about that. Right. Well, no, no, no. But they want... You know, like if you go to France, Paris, this is easier than Turkmenistan because I don't think they have any movie theaters there. Sorry if you're listening there, but probably don't. 
But anyways, so you go to France and Paris, they're waiting for the new Tom Cruise. They're waiting to go see Mission Impossible in English, subtitled in French. They're stoked to see Tom Cruise. They probably even speak English there. What does China want? They want people in France to wait outside and buy tickets for the newest, uh, the newest uh, Jackie Chan movie. Uh, yeah, Jackie Chan. It'll whatever. Be a movie, lot less yeah. racist. Whatever name I was going to try to make up on the spot. <laughs> That's right. So the that. latest Jackie Chan movie in Mandarin or Cantonese or whatever one, whenever they uh, figure that out. Right. Um, that's what they want. With, they with want subtitles. They yeah. want everyone. They don't even want subtitles. No. They want everyone to speak Chinese as well. Yeah. That's what they want. So, uh, uh, which is literally one of the hardest languages in the world to learn. Yeah. By the way, it's think, characters. It's I think not if even you're letters. pushing on that one, I'm agreeing with that. Like they want to sell China as as not only marketable, but they can do it too as the answer. No, no, no. I mean that's what. I'm not making the, this is what they they write this and they tell us. Well, so, they tell it in the like, if if people want to go and read a really generic quote from this government, they say they want to purify China. I mean, I, I don't know what you do with that statement except for <laughs> I don't think that's good. Right. <laughs> if yeah. Trump came out or if Obama came out and said they wanted to purify the nation, right? And here are the measures. Yeah. And they start basically getting rid of cultural identifying factors for people groups. That have been, I'm going to sound a little social justice that have been marginalized or are on the fringe and we want to eliminate their cultural expressions. Like hip hop. You, yeah, you've got some problems. Right. Where they're not just trying to purify the nation, they're trying to eliminate certain segments that yeah. they don't believe will long term ideologically fall in line with what you're saying yeah. being globally brandable. Mm-hmm. And that will be accepted in, um, you know, Mexico, Canada. UK, like I, I was making the joke, I don't know of a Chinese company, maybe Lenovo. I don't know. Yeah. But it's like the Paramount, You're like that's right. that's the one. I need that jacket. I need that. Well, coat. that's because they're not innovators. That. They're copiers. Yes. Yeah. They, they steal everything. And so when you're not the innovator, when you're not the Apple, when you're not the Google, you're going to imitate it. And so you can never be as as original and as as good as the original. Yeah, which I mean why you see Apple always... going to hate. Apple always constantly just steals everything from Android. I'm just going to say that. Last several years, that's for sure. I'm (laughs) not even Ever since Jobs went to the... No, No, ever since beginning. Nah, not about the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Well, the iPhone was kind of a standalone deal, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. Innovation, it kind of... It I'm, definitely... I'm just you're thinking way too over. I'm just jabbing at I, I know at what Apple you're doing. Right I know what you're doing. But I agree, Steve. Steve Jobs, when he uh, when he went the way, man, like the whole model, yeah, imploded and they, and they didn't become innovative. And that's kind of with China. China, ever since Genghis Khan fell off the radar, they kind of like <laughs> lost their who are uh, who are we? And I, I will say maybe if we want to wrap this up, one of the interesting things that what you're talking about innovation, and I think this is it's a very important point is we've talked a lot about algorithms making choices. And I was reading an article earlier that they're saying, I can't remember, it might have been China. They're using an algorithm to actually do hiring decisions. Yeah. So they're using yeah. algorithm, which makes sense because you yeah. if you're a big company, you want you know that. Yeah. Um, but what's the thing, you know, we worry maybe about the singularity, and uh, now I know we're kind of going out there, um, but the singularity of where uh, artificial intelligence eventually surpasses human intelligence the one thing that computers inherently are unable to have is um, innovation Mm -hmm. of these new thoughts yeah no no matter how much machine learning and deep learning and all these things um, it's all within still the parameters 
yeah. of the the code that is originated. It can never think outside itself. It can only predict direction, well, no, it, but I'm, it can't even create though. So, I mean, it can yeah. create within the box that right. that is built into right. it. It can't think. I mean, literally outside the box, and so yeah. that's one thing. Have you guys um, seen Space Odyssey? Oh yeah, yeah. Don't hurt Hal's feelings. <laughs> <laughs> you know what helmet? Yeah, stands for IBM, right? Yeah. So, so this well, is dude, this has been back. a this has been a great podcast, yeah. guys. We've had we've covered a lot of stuff. There's, we've got a lot more to cover. We got a lot more to cover. This yeah. has just been part one, and uh, and I think there's a lot to chew on, a lot to think about here. Um, I do want to make one announcement that I didn't make at the beginning of the podcast. It's unrelated to our topic. So, uh, but I but it's exciting. If you have, speaking of AI, uh, if you have a uh, uh, an Alexa or an Echo Dot, we are now on Alexa. Um, we are on, if you just ask Alexa, if you just say, hey, Alexa, play All Out War podcast on TuneIn Radio, she will play it for you. Don't assume. And, uh, Her gender. Don't assume. <laughs> That's right. So if you ask it to do that, it will do it. And uh, it's exciting for me because we're now on... Tune in radio. So if you have a tune in radio app, you can hear us there, or you can listen to us on your Alexa home listening device for the NSA. When so, it listens to you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that was exciting. Hey, it's been a great podcast, guys. This has been cool. I'm looking forward to our next uh, next part two of this series of A Brave New World. And I just want to thank everyone for sticking in and listening to us. And if you enjoy the podcast, hey, do us a favor. Share it with somebody that uh, you know that might enjoy it as well. And uh, get us out there. We're looking to expand our audience. We are not ashamed to ask for new <laughs> listeners and more people. And we are uh, gathering new we had a, a listener from South Africa that actually contacted us this, this last week, mm. and uh, it was pretty cool. And I think it had to do with our social justice stance and uh, all that they're dealing with down there in South Africa as well, which is needs lots of prayers. Anyways, hey, have a, a great week. We will talk to you soon. God bless, and thanks so much. Later, guys. Thanks for listening to the All Out War podcast today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you want to know more, you can visit us on the web at alloutwar.us. Or you can find us on Twitter at All Out Warcast. Hey, thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.